And so that was it for the League of Ireland for 2017. And finally, we found out who got relegated. Go United, Finn Harps and Drogheda United. And this is episode 37. And we have Ger O'Brien in with myself, Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald to go through what was, um, I suppose, not the most dramatic final uh, week of the season, but nevertheless a sad one if you are a Galway United fan. And now they, you know, prepare for life, I suppose, in the first division. Uh, we're on Podcast Republic, Stitcher, SoundClouds, uh, iTunes, and obviously Snapchat. And we're LOI Weekly on Twitter. And we're going to talk about the cup final as well, uh, as well as that we've actually two tickets to give away for it. Um, we're really splashing out. I think they're 10 nicker each. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll give them away anyway at some stage. And we will look forward to that because that's going to be feisty. And Ger, uh, we have had a little bit of banter between the two managers going into the game now, uh, which adds a bit of spice to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's probably all stemmed since the final last year. Um, some of the celebrations got a bit carried away and obviously they've been competing all season again. Hasn't really boiled over. I think uh, this year probably the, the gap played a part in that, but the closer it's got to the final now, I think... Uh, both sets of players and staff now it's a one-off game so I think there's a little bit of mind games being played and um, Dan we, we obviously will talk about it later but uh, you know yesterday's press conference with Dundalk was interesting to yeah well just to give people context in case they're not actually aware of what the, the banter or the mind games is no one actually, aware of this actually, unaware of this they may not yeah. they may not be they may not be um, no I mean it's uh, I, don't, I don't mind this I think the, this year I think both clubs have been having more rows with Rovers really to be honest <laughs> And now that now the Rovers are out of the way, they've they've got back to like you know let's go back to our original feud here. Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's sort of Mark McNulty in the, in the middle of it again. Now his speech last year after the cup final, um, honestly at the time I thought it was kind of funny, not great, but sort of I don't mind it too much really. Like uh, in the sense that. Uh, we know that there's a proper rivalry between the two teams that have been going for it. We know that they don't particularly like each other, nor is it natural that they would. And I don't mind sometimes if that sort of, you know, rears its head a bit uh, around this time. It was sort of funny in, in McDulty's instance this, this time, though, because when Cork won the league, the night they actually won the league against Derry, he, I think McNulty very pointedly that night went out of his way to say, I just want to give credit to Dundalk, you know, great side you know they really push us all the way I know I said things last year and what I said last year was more about Cork getting respect than having a pop at Dundalk really but it sort of was having a pop at Dundalk as well but not it was about you know give us some love here but um, so very respectful then and then after their league winning trophy night last week which looked to be a very you know somber and sort of you know, sober affair, shall we say, in terms of when the players actually arrived up on, in, in Soho Nightclub again on stage, like to give them the microphone and all of a sudden he's singing a song. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> after Lily White's, you know, and uh, gets the crowd going. But I mean, when you think about it, like it was, uh, I, I do sometimes wonder about, like, we, we always relate to the fact that the great thing about the League of Ireland is that, like, the players and the fans can go and mingle and celebrate after events. I mean, stuff like this sort of happens but you think well it's not necessarily going to be out there like the, the nightclub in, in case posted a club sponsor posted it on their official page so of course that's going to get out Unbelievable. and I mean within sort of 24 hours you just heard of everyone in the dock aware of it so it, sometimes you just, you, you, you just wonder when this type of thing happens you might say it to a manager and and he'll just bat it off but it was clear Stephen Kenny, Stephen had, Kenny. A, had a different view and I mean the quotes were, were quite something speaking about how 
you know, to say after Lily White's disrespecting to uh, all players, and you know, so. well, you know, the late Tommy McConville and Barry Joe and anyone who's ever played for the Lily Whites and really strong, and then and then brought up this story of a phone call to um to Stephen O'Donnell last year. This was very interesting when they were, when they were on the bus. Well, uh, this story, I, I mean, this story went round. I think I heard about it that night. Um, and that there was some kind of call made. Jer's nodding his head here. Are you, are you aware of this story too, Jer? Yeah, well, it went, it went around like. Yeah, it around. It's, it's, there's a sort of <laughs> a grey area over where, where, is, where is the call actually came from. What but was uh, the nature of the call? Well, I mean, celebratory. Uh, it was I don't think it was like so. How are you and having <laughs> a <laughs> family? You know, but it's uh, who did the call actually came from is because uh, it. You know, it was it was sort of uh, like it wasn't Mark McNulty say. You know, that was certainly the because his name was mentioned yesterday. Um, <laughs> He's been ruled out. Well, or, or has he? You know, who knows? <laughs> it's like it's like a sort of a game of guess who or something here. Where it's like, and then there's also stuff as, as well about you know. Well, did a call really happen and stuff? And I, then I, I was trying to check it out with some people last night who were who would have known what was on the. And they were like, "No, there was definitely a call." So, I mean, Jared's nodding away. He's heard the story. Speaking something, of, um, sometimes, but it's do you know what do you? Th- I mean, Jared, like just generally. I mean, I, I think sometimes, like it's such a it's such a familiar league and everyone knows everyone that sometimes it can be almost very nice. And you know, deep down, everyone's sort of bitching away about everyone at, at yeah. some point, somewhere or other, but. It's no harm sometimes if this is brought to the forefront. I don't know what your view is. I mean, maybe some people are like, ah, this is all a bit no. childish or something. But I don't know what your what your taking it is. To be honest with you, I think I'd love to be involved in a little bit of rivalry at the moment. We've kind of you know dropped away over the last few seasons, and you know that kind of buzz that you get to be challenging week in week out, and then pressure games. Now this season would be a different type of pressure, a very uncomfortable type of pressure. But when you're going to win things, it does bring different a different side out the out of you and. You know, obviously Dundalk have what they've done in the last three or four years has been just incredible. And to go on and have that success in Europe and stuff like that, it must have been very disheartening for Cork because they were pushing it to the max and they were just kept falling short. So I think it just boiled over. And what's happened obviously this week, ah, listen, I think there's going to be more games being played up to it. You know, there's loads of stories going around about players moving here. Well, that's the Carl Shepherd situation. I mean, to be you know, to be fair, like I mean, th- there is an element of of stirring the pot there from from the dog side. Too. Certainly, Stephen Kenny knew what he was doing by not denying this. Yeah, and I mean, the story got out there in the first place. I mean, okay, this stuff happens all the time, and I mean, it's a league where whether you whether it's formal pre contract or verbal, you know, agreement or whatever it might be. Um, a lot of players maybe last week might have played against teams they could be playing for you know next season. Or I don't whatever. think this helps Cork. We'll get to the preview later. Uh, I don't think it helps Cork that this Shepherd thing is going on, and Shepherd hasn't even been playing that well either. Well, there was some suggestion he got a couple of booze last week in the game. Now I don't know was it just a, when he made a mistake or two or, or something. Um, I was I was down in the Cork press day on Monday and just chatting to some of the the local lads there who said maybe he wasn't getting a great reception on on Friday. So. I mean that is a form of of mind games, I guess. I mean, the, I mean, the, the doc do want them; they are signing the player. Um, but the fact that it's out there, as much as it can be awkward for everyone involved, it's it's probably a bit unsettling. I think it has to it has to naturally be unsettling. I think it's a difficult one for John, to be honest with you, because I don't think he has much of a choice. He, he's kind of since Sean McGuire has left, he's kind of gone. That's the way he's playing. He's playing with 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 Carl Shepherd up front, and obviously he's used Jimmy Cohan or. Or Stephen B, he depends who plays full back on the right, and you know, either Dooley or Sadler on the left. But 
I don't see him not playing Carl Shepard. I think it's very difficult for him and his staff this week because he's now coming up against team. But from a player's point of view, and I think I'm sure he's spoken to Carl. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. I don't know. I would like to think he's spoken to Carl because as a player, you want to win. There's no way Carl Shepard's going to be thinking to himself, it doesn't make a difference if I'm a dog dog yeah, player next Ten years' week time, you know I yourself. I want a gold medal. Yeah. And then I can maybe lauder over the boys when I sign up for pre-season or wherever it might be. But from a player's point of view, I don't think you should worry about that. But It's going to be psychologically it's tough. The other, it's the other can teammates. I, yeah, can I make a point, actually? I was trying to think of a parallel. And although he wasn't the key one, he wasn't playing, like he wasn't against the team he was possibly about to join. But mm. I think when... When Pats won the Cup in 2014, I think it was sort of well known that Keith Fatty was probably leaving yeah. to go to Shamrock Rovers at the yeah. time. And it was it was just people were observing him with the final whistle. And was he... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were part of that. Was yeah. that something that was sort of... Yeah, not playing Rovers though. It's totally no, no, I, no, I know. But even just like, for... It, it's still a big player in the team. I would. You know, Keith, Keith would have been fantastic for us that season. And to be honest with you, it was... It was a lot of will you or won't he? And there was talk, obviously, of Shamrock Rovers. So I think there was talk of one or two others as well that mm. maybe it might be on, on the right air for him. But I, I didn't get the opinion or, or any type of thing from Keith in the, in the build-up to the final or anything like that. He went about, he trained properly. He you know, he was very good. His form was good come to the end of the season. I thought he was fantastic in the final. And yeah, he was, yeah. I think that's what we speak about with, with, with Carl Shepard's dilemma this weekend. I think it's important now for, for him to just focus on winning the game because... What he won't want, he won't want to go and have a mediocre performance and then his time to be labelled a cork of remembered for one game because he's had a good couple of seasons there. For whatever reason, if he is going to move, he's deciding to move. I just, It's typical of this league that it can get this close. And this is the thing about contracts not being renewed. You look at players all over the world and you know, 12 months out very rarely is the is the deadline of, of players. And you look at the likes of Emery Chan and stuff like that. Liverpool, there's talk of him not signing the deal and will he go and... Clubs are trying to cover their, you know, their arses a year out, whereas we're trying to do a six weeks out <laughs> in, in this country. Like, but does, yeah. does, that's just the way it is, unfortunately. But I think what Cork are trying to do go fifty two weeks, and the likes of what Stephen Kenny's done, and he'll know more than anybody because he's lost some extremely talented players. You know, right back from Richie Telgon and now, you know, Andy Boyle and Tingon. I don't think they've ever got a fee for these boys. You know what I mean? Which is which is criminal because these are your best players, ones that have gone on to ex- to achieve really good levels in this country, and then they just go for nothing. This is well, this is a bit tangential now, but it's it's going to be very difficult for the clubs not in Europe, um, and it, this might kind of embellish that divide. And to offer fifty-year week contracts for the likes of Derry, even for the likes of Derry City, and for clubs below the top four, isn't just not feasible. No, no, it's well, it's going to be difficult, and I think well, Waterford are going to come into it. I mean, we may, we'll maybe touch on it a bit later on, but like Waterford are going to come into it and be a player, and then we're going to see where certain clubs are going to be at, not more so than Jerry's and and you know Limerick maybe, and 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 clubs have been in a battle this year. And does that give you a wake-up call or you know but, what, what's the idea but I would say just like I have to say I mean if we've got a cup final on Sunday I think we've spoken before about say attendance and generating interest and and uh, like very unlucky that on Sunday there's two huge Premier League games it's just the way things fall I mean I, I mean that's not anyone's fault I mean the fixture list come out in, in July or August you know you can't just you can't plan for that mm. Um but I I don't I I like the, the the mind games or the war word stuff or whatever because the danger was it's going to be repetitive uh, and there'll be some kind of fatigue with the two teams. I don't think I think just 
such an enmity there it should be good but front I have and to say, back page of the Indo today no, but I have uh, to, the FAI Cup final front and back page yeah. of the Indo today and this is what Wednesday yeah and that's what that's what you need like you, you, you do need the papers and everyone to play their part and for that you need to be, you need material to help it but I have to say I don't personally like the Shepherd sort of type of story because it does open it, it's, it's a great talking point for us but it is symptomatic of what Jar says totally like you could it. never imagine you know Arsenal and Chelsea or someone playing in the cup final and a player heading off to the other under free sort of straight afterwards unless someone can scream an example to me I just can't think of I can't think of one and that is and, it, and even let's just say David McMillan scores a goal or you know McElhenney or whatever like there's a very good chance it'll be the out of work player or sometimes at least with the two weeks it's, it's not so much the he scored today and he's on the dole tomorrow type of thing but I, I hate that stuff I hate that I aspect of the cup final and I hate, hate this time of year for that whereas the rivalry between the clubs uh, at a high level uh, I love that and I think that's a, it's a good type of publicity even if there's a bit of bickering and, and pettiness that like is that's football I, I, really, I think like, the league know. was very much damaged by the 40 week contracts and players club hopping all the time because it's very hard for fans to relate to you know a club that but we, we you know obviously we were supposed to be here at the start talking about um last week and i'm going to bring i'm going to bring the Stephen o'donnell bus incident to own garvin's bus karaoke <laughs> um which was revealed on on twitter and facebook this was scandalous stuff really the boy garvin he's had a good end of the season but jerry what was going on dave campbell basically was the sort of a simon carroll type <laughs> figure <laughs> sending out videos all the way home for people and so there's a lot of bored people sitting on a friday night wondering well i Click yeah. this clip. Well, to be honest with you, I think what happened was we had said when the boys signed, what typically happens is you're forced away trip, the new lads would sing a song. And forced away trip was Cork, we lost. <laughs> so we, we left her at that. You, you're not going to group. Garvin was sent off at half time. <laughs> Garvin was sent off, thrown a slap. I fought the law on the law one. <laughs> but he, end, he ended up in the Cork dressing room. Have you heard that one? No. no go so on. I suppose we can say it now. He, um, so we're coming in at half time, and Stephen Beatty gets a penalty from us literally in the 44th minute. And he sort of said to the boys, supposedly, you now allegedly, that he said to the boys, listen, we're going for the league here, wouldn't you dive too? And it did, I think in hindsight, looking back at it as well, in the camera angle, it does look very, very harsh penalty for us to concede and everything, the emotions are high and Garver goes in a half time and we're walking in and to, from the dressing room down to the tunnel, it's a bit of a walk and we just see a melee happening and we get down there and there's, you know, probably 25 people with stewards, there's police, there's everything. No, there's not a dig thrown, there's nothing happening. And we kind of push our air players into the dressing room, Cork into their dressing room, and then we see Garvo coming out of the Cork dressing room by himself. <laughs> <laughs> Just, how did he end up in there? Like, he's in there on his own with, like, 20 Cork people. <laughs> Garvo ushers out, and the linesman has said he's seen something allegedly and Garbo's got sent off but no what happened couldn't he just have innocently claimed he took a wrong turn like, <laughs> like, like Ron Atkinson years ago going into the wrong dugout on a, for one of those Basically, games yeah. yeah but no and what we said was the boys were kind of we, we had a couple of positive results away like the Galway result but we felt with two games to go it was a bit tight for them we just didn't want to be seeing singing you know, or whatever. you know what I mean so we said listen leave it till the Derry game and we'd have a sing song if the result is gone but it wasn't even a sing song well it certainly wasn't a sing song because that no, wasn't singing brutal, but no yeah. four, four or five of the boys grew up and sing I see one or two people saying oh, Pat's having a party there was no party there was certainly no party from Aaron the things you don't celebrate coming eight there was a lot of relief around the place and who was better in terms of Actual singing, singing qualities. Well, the new boys group and sang, so it looks like Garbo, Ian Torner, Paul O'Connor, Lucas sang in Polish, Jordi Balk sang a love song in Dutch. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, we got the, the typical boys who can group and sing. Barry Murphy got up and sang very good. He sang uh, 
the darkness or something like that. Oh, I believe in a thing yeah. called Love. Is it true you were helped on your way by a few cans from Kenny Shields? A few cores like yeah, yeah. Kenny <laughs> threw in a, a little bag of cans, sort of said, Congratulations. <laughs> so I think one or two of the boys who weren't driving grabbed down. I think there might be in seven or eight. There was. Okay. I can I confirm. I saw the bag. There was only seven. <laughs> and it was Coors Light. That would have been like Kenny. Come on, like oh, it was, it was <laughs> a Dolly mixture. It was like a Coors Light. Oh, there was. was. A again. There was a and Dan, you were saying I think that um, there was a bit of um, tension on the bench because word came through that Galway had gone ahead or something. Well, this is when Jerkin yeah. confirmed this, but it, it also happened up in the commentary booths, the like the press box as well, that we were following the Galway and Dock game and not to bring up your pain, but I mean I actually had it on the RTE player, and I mean in the first half. There wasn't like a huge amount happening, say, in, in when Cran had the first 15 minutes of the game. It was sort of early days. And then just watching this Galway, just this end-to-end, like three goals in 15 minutes or whatever Chaos. whatever it was. Uh, but then yeah, later on, I had it on still. And it went, when it went, when Galway came back from 3-2 to 3-all, clearly it must have been an error with one of these score apps that the third goal was recorded twice or something. And then a guy started screaming 4-3 down the, uh, down the end, the guy from uh, Eric from Radio Foil. And I was looking at the RTE player going, it's still 3-all. But you were saying that down in, down in the bench it's there... actually Garbo. Garbo said to us, Jared's 4-3, because like, they were able to stand beside us. And there was probably two, three minutes to go in the air game. In, in injury time, so at which yeah. point, if you think you concede you're down on the basis of that Yeah, well, that's what it was. And we were literally bringing on a sub as well. Josh O'Hanlon was coming on, I think, for Cortis at the time, and we were just—you're fearing the worst, like you know. So it was, uh, yeah, a little bit of panic set in. I'm not going to lie to you. What was the night like? And it must have been a bit surreal, like it was, yeah. And to be honest with you, we we made the week, week about us. Our form had been pretty decent going into, and I think coming out with the second half performance against Cork gave us a little bit of a bounce going into the week as well. And uh, it was just. It's just not a nice thing. There's there's a horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach, you know, the what if happens and then, you know, the position that you're in, you want to be able to, you know, put onto the lads that, listen, you go and you do your performance, you get a point, you win the game, it doesn't matter what happens somewhere else. We spoke about the importance of not hoping that Dundalk do us a favour and, you know, stuff like that. So it was just all about us, you know, in the week of it. We would have spoken in the, the pre, in the warm-up huddle, we would have spoken about, you know, that it, there's no what ifs. This is there's no second chances on this. You got to go and do it. And I think, I think the second half petered out a little bit. Dan, just yeah, when they scored, yeah. they had one decent chance where um, I think the three B- on one B- break B- wasn't Billy it? got yeah. back and made Fair a tackle. Play to Billy Denny there. He yeah. ran 80, 90 yards back. It was a great tackle. But other than that, I think Derry were kind of just in a little bit going through the motions. They, they had a lot of the ball. We just kept decent shape about us. We didn't overly attack second half. I think the boys kind of. In the game, just sort of said, "Listen, we'll manage it and and stay." And at half time, we knew it was three one. So I think the boys in the pitch were thinking, "Ah, we just don't lose this and game." The fans I, were certainly that. that there's there's yeah. a danger of that. Yeah, relaxed mood. They asked sort of. us on the bench once or twice at throw ins, but we managed the game quite well. We, we got a lot of free kicks. We slowed the game down. We killed it. I think the experience that we had out the likes of Killian and Gar, uh, Killian and the likes of uh, Jordy, Gavin Pearce came back in. We were able to kind of manage the game and. Uh, Barred that two-minute spell when we thought it was four three and go, we I thought we were okay. Like you know. seven seven league winners in the Pat starting eleven, yeah. you know, which which it's just, which is mad when you think about it. And I think it was the kind of night where I think Derry really had to score first to really. I think once Pat scored, as much as there was that maybe ropey spell after half time or whatever, and they had a few chances, and Lucas made a save or two 
I think either side of the goal. But yeah. after, but after you know the last fifteen minutes, as I said, it was only the, it was only it was only events in Galway, Galway that were that were really given any sense of tension. I think the game was was sort of petering out, and, and at that point as well, even first, I mean, our, our Sligo listeners as well. I don't know were they in the same boat because their game was still level. Yeah. They were still one concession away from being in trouble too. And I I pretty much heard nothing from yeah. that game. No, no. Uh, it, it just that seemed was like strange, nothing yeah. was nothing was going on there. Just, I suppose to recap the results, Finn Harps. Uh, Lost 3-1 at Bowes to end the season. Obviously relegated as well. Cork City beat Bray 1-0. Um, Derry City won Pats 1, as we mentioned. Drogs 0, Sligo 0. Very little seemed to happen in that game from the highlights. Sligo looked a better team. Uh, Sean Groves 2, Limerick 1. And Galway 3, Dundalk 4. So this was the live game. And it was the first time Galway being on telly this season, actually. And it was a crazy game with some great goals. But ju- just from the perspective of Galway, y- you'd feel a bit of sympathy in the sense that the, the first time they're kind of playing a team that doesn't really have anything to play for and the dock of their cup final team out and you're just like, mm, this isn't going to be easy. Having said that, you know, they scored three goals and just shocking bad defending for, like, the McElhenney goal will be hailed for how good the finish was, but like, it was three on one in, in, in the goal, in the Dundalk half in effect. And yeah. it was just, it, it just seemed incredibly cavalier. It was 2-1 in the first half. They didn't need to go as gung-ho. Um, now, obviously, they played a kind of a 4-4-2. There's been a bit of criticism of Shane Keegan in terms of the system he's been playing. But the goals they gave away, Dan. Well, I'm going to throw this to you because you were there and you obviously know what the goal we moved. Um, I am conscious that the club probably hit some financial difficulties last week and I think there was was there an email went out to season ticket holders about paying in. Does this, does this vindicate the fact that Lee Grace was sold for money in in the window because that seems now like a, a key moment you know we, 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 Jer and I spoke about this off air in the sense that they sold O'Malley but that's going to work out a lot better for Pats than Grace 25 grand in the overall scheme of things is nothing Um now, I, I, I don't really know the ends of it. I know the club sort of needed the money. And a bit like Pats, we brought in, or sorry, God brought in a lot of players that actually helped the end of the season. I mean, brought in Hale, Maher, um, you know, th- they had a big role to play. Um, you lost Benny to injury, wasn't it? Lost, yeah. lost, and that was it as well. Um, but ultimately, Grace being sold possibly relegated us because he's a very very good defender and we again we were talking before the show there aren't that many really good center backs out there and he's certainly one of them and not only that sure then they they ended up playing three or four different systems in the last 10 games exactly at the point where Sligo, Pats and Limerick were getting solidity and when I saw the team Dan Friday night and the system they were playing I was like well this game is the greatest certainty for goals I've ever seen like because Dundalk just were going to have a lot of the ball but the defending Mm. Whatever team you put out, how many times? Uh, I don't. I, how many times a season the goal we concede first? Granted, actually in that game you did, you actually went ahead mm. first, but it seemed like you know this second half comeback from three one down was almost like the story of the season. Mm. They've always been coming back from a position, and even Limerick last week going two I down have two stats, all. But it's very very that high. is like I think earlier in the season that was a big talking point about how many times they'd actually conceded mm. first in, in games, and it's that's, probably the best goal United team that I've seen. And they just got relegated. So it's kind of hard to get your head around that. And you're on Twitter the last few days and you have all these players basically putting messages that are, you know, if you read into them, I'm leaving. It was great. It was a great year. And it's quite sad because now the whole thing starts again. But, um, Jared, like, yeah, I mean, what's your, what, what was your take on that Galway team? And do you have sort of sympathy for them that they've gone down? Because you were, could have been you. Yeah. I just go back to the league race thing. <clears throat> I was baffled on it, being honest with you, because. If the figures believed to be true of twenty five thousand, and 
And again, if he's on a two-year contract, which by all accounts... No, he's gone at the end of the season. That, is, that is an important point. He was, he was gone one-year contract. Okay. Yeah. But how much is it worth to him now that he's gone? And it's, it was, I, just, I just think it was a crazy decision. He's probably your best defender. You know that these clubs are going to come in from anyway at the end of the year. For 25000 listen, they, they gambled and it went wrong mm. um, on it. If you may saying, have needed the money. If you're telling me that they need 25 grand to keep the club afloat, listen, there's different ways of, of getting 25,000. We're not talking 300, 400,000 here. We're talking 25 grand. I'm still not saying, being disrespectful to people of Galway and saying that you could easily go out and get it. But 25,000 is not a whole lot of money to be sacrificing. You're probably your biggest asset. Well, Ronan Murray and himself are probably their bigger, biggest assets. And I just think, for me, it took out that partnership, and I know they were conceding goals with Fowler and Grace, but they were doing it. I think they could have got a settle back, back, back four. He went to a three after Grace had gone as well. And I just think that, I think Shane Keegan, if he was to openly come out and say it, I think he would be so disappointed in, in, in the decision to sell Lee Grace. He brought in Grace, he brought in Murray, yeah. and he brought in some great signings. We, we, we looked at Grace last year at Wexford, and we, we went to watch him in the playoff. And funny enough, they lost 3-0 to draw the, oh, up, yeah, up there. Yeah. The and he had a poor game that night. I think Shane Keegan probably had a good relationship. He's left the army to go full-time, that right, in, mm. in Galway. He's now signed for Shamrock Rovers. I just think, looking back now, I think Shane Keegan will definitely be really frustrated with that holy grace situation. I just can't see how a figure of 25 grand was the difference between Galway staying afloat and going bust or going under or the threat of going the under. Sad, the sad thing is, well, for Shane Keegan's perspective, he's now gotten relegated in successive years with different clubs. Yeah. His, um, like, in fairness, he, his hands were tied last year with Wexford. He was going okay and then a lot of his players, if you remember, Forlong had mm. left to go to New Zealand. A couple yeah, of the four or five of them left. A couple yeah. of others. And I think, they, not that they gave up, they got as far as the playoff. They were in a great position. Lee Chin and yada yada. Yeah, they made, they made of, uh, a mess of, unfortunately, the second leg. But, I think he's got a good group of players down in Galway. We spoke about probably the, na- the naivety of, of the group in, in the sense that I always felt that he could concede goals. When, when we played them, we spoke about the fact that, you know, they're vulnerable to conceding goals, conceding set pieces and stuff like that. And it's very unfortunate that he lost. He swapped Vinny for um, a younger. Yeah. And he broke his leg against us, in, in fairness. And he was very good. That was in the cup game. They beat us 2-0 that day. But... We always said it that they were a good side. Like without being disrespectful, I know that they always say the league table never lies. But for me, they were far better than some of the teams that finished above us as well. But it's just, I think Shane will take stock of of what's at the happening this year. He he'll have to sit down and review it and see what has gone wrong, where they've fallen short. Like I think it's going to be evident how good that team is was. Sorry. But how many players get picked off? Absolutely. And for and me, I, I could probably name seven or eight that would go go to to the I'm not gonna say the top clubs, but certainly the clubs that would, would feel that they could challenge. The, like. the the sad thing is as well, obviously Dan mentioned it there, that message to the uh, season ticket holders to pay, you know, pay in. Um the board has been very fractured this year. Um the situation with some of the clubs like Merview is not great at all at the moment. And I know the FAI are worried about um, just what's going on in Galway. And the harmony that's in Cork or, you know, in, I suppose, in Derry is not there in Galway. And for the future, 
Galway United isn't the bedrock of the community that it should be by any stretch of the imagination. It's not, it's not sure whether the co-op is now going to take over the club fully. Um, the Comer brothers back and has been indispensable. But it, it's a dodgy, dodgy time now. I imagine Shane Keegan wants to stay on. I imagine he probably will stay on. But probably lose about seven or eight players. Um, start again. Not sure where the board is going to end up you know this time next year so it's it's a sad kind of end of the season for Galway because I think Galway in the you know three years they've been there since they came back to the Premier Division have offered a lot great facilities Um, how would you assess the season in general it's now over it's hard to get your head around what's gone on with Pats with Galway obviously in the end Sligo looked like they were going to get relegated nearly Limerick got relegated in the end Pats survived but it must have been tough yeah, mentally it's very tough. As I said to you, it's a different type of pressure. It's not a nice pressure because, you know, it's when you're going for the league, if you lose a league title, it's devastating. But relegation and stuff like that can Im- can impact so much. You know, it's it's a club that needs to be rejuvenised again with support and stuff like that. And that's stuff that we're trying to do with the underage and our links with some of the clubs and stuff like that. And I just think that we would have taking a step forward to go three or four back if we had been relegated. And then, you know, you've got one man in, in our owner, in Gary Callagher, who for 10 years has basically, you know, keeping the club going. Like, he's basically, you know, keeping the club going week to week and stuff like that. And, you know, just like Galway and just like the likes of Bray and, and other clubs like that, and Sligo had a massive push on from the summer with this raffle, and they were able to get in, you know, quite a few players as well, which helped them. I just think that... It would have been very, very uh, worrying times for the club if we had it went down. Where do you go from here now? I think, again, like Galway, we need to sit down and review the whole thing. I think Liam needs to sit down with, with, with the owner and speak to him. And in fairness, like everyone knows that the budget was cut at the beginning of the season. We went with a lot of young players. Like In, in a couple of the games, we had a 20, 19 and 18-year-old in the centre of the park. And I think it results, you know changed no coincidence when you bring in the likes of Garvo and Killian Brennan and Jordy Balk and you know Paul O'Connor and Ian Turner players who have been around and played you know for the last few seasons that our form was quite good the last 13 games I think we said that we'd won six drawn four and lost three the three games we lost was because we were down to 10 men all inside the first half so you know there was enough signs and progress to see with that second half of the season squad that we could be a much better team but ultimately I think every club needs to take stock. I think Barry, you're looking at Rovers have, have, have pushed on quite a bit. I think Dundalk obviously are doing, I've listened to Martin Connolly over the last few weeks. They're really proactive up there. They seem to be doing stuff, baby steps with the ground. I think they're going to be really positive, but every club could be in their position where they come to a crossroads. I think it's important now that we take stock of what we have, where we need to get to. There's a lot of stuff happening in the off, off the pitch as well. Like we're looking at, you know, training venues and, and things like that. And we're looking to make where the club train, better. actually. At the moment, we're training in the Alsa Club. All the teams will train there, but we're looking for a base. You know what I mean? I think that's the next step of of uh, of, of the, all the clubs, really, that they, they can have their own training venue because, you know, I'm sure every club who rents out facilities, you know, it's dead money going out and you're never going to invest. So it's important that you kind of at least work towards getting your own. But, you know, the club has had a tough couple of years we've had a lot of players cherry picked like the likes of even this season Sean Hoare and Jamie McGrath have gone off um, for fees to Dundalk we were offering them bigger contracts they just were getting bigger and better contracts in Dundalk you can't really begrudge them from where Dundalk were and where we are 
the season before, you see the likes of Greg Bulger, Kenny Brown gone, James Chambers gone, Killian obviously left and came back, Conor O'Malley now has gone to Peterborough during the summer, Brendan Clark left to go to um to, to Limerick. These are all big players. These are all these are not like players that you think ah you could do or out. These are players that have won leagues, that have you know, we've brought through our youth system players that have played and are top talents or good experience and it's very difficult. You don't you know, you, you, it's very difficult to go out, especially if your budget has gone down. It's very difficult to be out and replace those. So we now have a, a slight change um, in the sense that we now got Cork offering fifty-two week deals and and Rovers and and the Dock certainly with new players they're bringing in as well. So you know, there, there's clubs offering money, say from December the first. And um, what does that mean for the likes of Pats? I mean, where as, as such, you know, you you break up last week. When, when does pre-season start? When when are you back in, or is is, is that level of of detail up for debate at this point? Well. Uh, uh, it would be up to for debate because of the situation that we've only kind of got safe last week. But for me, the planning has begun already. You'd speak about, you know, we need to get, I know the season's going to start a week earlier. Yeah. So we'll already have pegged back. We'll sp- start speaking about the content of what we do in pre-season. We'll start looking at off-season programs and what we want to do with the boys. But really, you know, from Liam's point of view, he'll want to speak to the owner and, and get some sort of a budget sorted out and then we can go. But just on the 52-week contracts, I was going to jump in earlier, it's kind of like uh, it's an acceptance now with League of Ireland players. And I've done it myself because you go and you sign a 42-week contract and then you've got 10 weeks on the dole and it's just accepted. For me, clubs should be insisting on paying players 52 weeks. And they say to them, rather than you getting 800, we're going to pay you 650 for 52 weeks. You're going to sign a two-year contract. So for those 12 weeks that you have off in the off-season, which is ludicrous anyway, you're going to have four-week holiday during November. We're going to bring it in for two weeks in December. You're going to have a week off, wherever it is. And that should be the mentality that we need to have in this country. And I know people will point to our oh, clubs and financial stuff and, and certainly like that. But the budget is the budget. If the budget is 600000 make it over 52 weeks. Don't make it over 42 weeks and let the players go off. In fairness to the clubs, though, it must be a massive help to have social welfare paying for 10 weeks. Of course it is. Well, and I, you know, from Galway's perspective, this would be a huge dilemma now. For oh, and team. I'm also conscious. I've spoken to people in clubs. There's, there's an assumption that every player wants a 52-week deal. No, they don't. Yeah, there's, there's players who are very happy to they, have they their 10 weeks of, you know... Absolutely, and, and I think we need to get away from that. I think the clubs, the PFEI... You know, the FAI should be insisting. I think it's important that we need to go and, and say to these players, those young players coming home from England who have been in a full-time environment probably from 16, they come home and you look at them and you say to them, okay, listen, we're going to offer you a year's contract or two years contract, but you're only getting paid 42 weeks. How, how can anyone sign a two-year contract and only getting paid 42 weeks? It makes zero sense. Like, Why yeah. would you commit to any club for two or three years? It just It's nonsense. It won't hold up. If you want to sign me on a two-year contract, you pay me 52 weeks. Yeah. And if that means that you need to negotiate a smaller figure down, but you're still, you still get the feeling that... Like, I, I've, I remember hearing stories from clubs that tried to do it. They were offering 42-week contracts and then they were trying to bring the players in in the off-season. The players wouldn't come in because you're saying, you're not paying me, so I'm not Some are getting in. paid to the first week of the season. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just, just, that's incredible. And for us, for us to move the league forward, and I know players say, and when it's mentioned on Twitter and stuff like that or you know social media, you see people jumping on it, the bandwagon and stuff like that. But I'm not saying go and pay 75 or 80 grand a year contracts. Like, if you have your average wage of 35,000 or 40,000, why not say to the player, well, 40,000 is going to be wherever it is, 800 quid a week. We're going to pay over 52 weeks and this is what's going to be equivalent to or wherever them figures might be. I just think that we need to get that kind of pushed forward more 
get mm. the league better. Like, I, think that, I think that's all Cork are going to do, by the way. I don't, I don't think they're going to go, we're paying 52 week contracts, we're handing out 800 quid a week, so now you're getting for 52 weeks. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be, you know, you're now getting 700 euro a week for 52 weeks. You sign it because now we have more control over you. And I think that's more of a full-time environment. Of course, and I, and I think what we can't have, I was spoken about the other day, is a situation where we step things up by just giving the same players more money. Yeah. You know, at this point, and that's the point that John Caulfield, I think Michael O'Neill made the point before, that you know the league went down the road of just giving the same group of players more money mm. without necessarily improving the quality of players and, and being able to even bring in guys from outside to strengthen yeah. things. And that's certainly the... Uh, we do seem to be back at a bit of a crossroads again yeah. we, we, we'd a while have been a bit at a particular route and we've, we always spoke about the mistakes of, of 07 and 08 and the time when you were you know you were, you were playing well, Dan, um, we, we had it this year okay in Bray because and I know a little bit about it because I've seen some I've spoken to some of the lads and I've, and I've spoken to, to obviously Liam when he met some of these players you're talking these guys getting signed on fees signing on fees for Bray and in money in the off season, and you know players who haven't played in the league are getting double what we could offer them, and you're sort of saying to yourself, "Well, hold on a minute, like you know." And I don't for one minute blame Harry Kenny on this because you only get told what you can spend. Do you blame the players at all? No, no. But why would you? You know, yeah, well, what, if, if, why would if, you blame if, the players? Could I, they, would they smell a rat and sense that like where's this money coming well, from? What's it building? The on? players, you can't be looking to the players to to give you moral guidance. No, you know, you absolutely. can't look to players to do that. You never will because no. they're going to be. Discarded at the end of a year if they get an injury or something. Well, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, no, so absolutely, yeah. It, 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 yeah. it happens in all walk of life. It happened with the banks, with the mortgages, people going and getting 100%, 110%, 120% mortgages, and you know, all falls back down to that. If the banks didn't give out the money, they wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And if the Bray owners didn't sanction, say, you know, X amount in off-season, X amount of wages each week, well then... You know, they wouldn't have found themselves in the difficulty. We wouldn't have went through the charade that went on with statements all season. Did that have a direct players. effect on Pat's uh, structure this season in terms of the players you could bring of course, in? Of course, of course yeah. it did. And I felt so sorry for the Bray players and, and Harry Kenny and Liam O'Brien and people like that because when you were going to sign a player, I'm sure you were told by the owner that this is the amount of money you have to spend. And it just kept seeing to go that we were speaking to three or four of those boys. Liam was going and offering them a fairly decent wage. And it, we were just getting blown out of the water. And now there was signing on fees coming involved. There was two-year contracts going. Bonuses. Bonuses. And we were kind of saying, like, wh- where is this? It has to, you know what I mean? But then, ultimately, it falls down, you know, in the licensing and stuff like that. But now you look at it, oh, I can't see any of those Bray players signing back. Harry has obviously left. It must have been the most difficult season for those players. And that whole month in July, end of June, start of July, when the players were saying, listen, we're free agents, we're told we're free agents, oh, now we're not free agents, and oh, now we can go. Now, they told us that they're going to pay us at the end of the month. We didn't get paid at the end of the month. The transfer window's gone. The money be there in August. And then they found us somehow, in fairness to them, which is great for the players that they didn't miss any wages, but it's that type of rubbish that we need to get away from. Absolutely. And, you know, even in Galway, there's still, like, an element of uncertainty as to... Uh, what if Bray just didn't get a license for next year? But then all Galway's players are gone. Yeah, it's, it's hard to speculate. I mean, you know, you're, I'm not getting into speculation. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, you do wonder. I mean, <clears throat> and there, and there is an element that you, you selfishly think that you, there is a fear that you, you like if you're going to this ten team league, you can't have one team that's 
completely sort of banned Jackson. And then that was and, the struggle that was the crap story of the year, really, wasn't it? For ah, the, yeah. And if it was a good year in many ways, that was not. Ah, good. it's like it drove, like it drove, like Bray drove wage inflation last winter, like and all the stuff that we didn't need to happen that happened before, where players were getting in theory getting huge like pay rises and not reflective of like some improvement in their performance, like sort of guys in their sort of late twenties you know early 30s in some cases that got offers of of money that they would never have, have received when they're in supposedly in their sort of peak years you know it just didn't it didn't make any sense it never made any sense everyone knew it was going to cause problems it was the most inevitable thing in the world that it would pose problems and there's still questions lingering from it now if they if they honor all their wage commitments which they have been uh, it appears recently till you know till the end of the year um you know they they, they will qualify for a license again i guess but um just you, have, you have this strange. So. You have this strange situation. I think that if, if if the ten teams that we have next year, I actually think if you actually popped Galway in instead of Bray, I actually think we would probably have uh, one of the strongest leagues possibly in some time. The best, maybe the best, the best well. case scenario for a ten team league. Mm. You'd have a lot of the regional centres covered. Some of the better stadiums. Feel a bit sorry for the likes of Finn Harps and St Tony God, but you know, there we've spoken about their facilities and their need in terms of the ten clubs that would be in it in that event. You'd be getting somewhere, I think, because the, the dog, the dog's ground, I think, is going to improve. And Pat's, we've heard they're making, you know, they're, they're looking at their training bases. I think all the ten clubs would have absolutely a vision. And I'm worried about the vision in Bray. Yeah, but just, just on Bray. So how? how how can Bray get a license with the Carlisle ground state it's in? Can you explain that to me? The ground is an absolute kick. Ah, but Johnny, the, 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 the licensing and grand standards are just... It's, it's a, Stephen, it's, it's Stephen spoke about it last week. Yeah. We, we, have to, we have to hold the clubs in... You know, they have to do a better job with their grounds. That can't be just, okay, you passed it on the basis that it holds a few hundred seats and stuff like that. Or you might have a... Sta- your, Toilet facilities. Something like, wrong with your stadium maybe in th- a few years. Th- this may yeah. be, maybe we might have a new stadium stuff just seems to be the buyout for everything. Like, Everyone, yeah. For Verdrada, for Harps, for Bray. Yeah. These grounds are a disgrace. An yeah. absolute disgrace. The Carlisle grounds is a disgrace. Mm. And there's no way, I, I wouldn't bring anyone to the Carlisle grounds. I don't want to promote the League of Ireland in the form of bringing them to a dump like that. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to beat the same drums. We did discuss this last week. I mean, you watched the Goal of the Month yeah. competition the other day. I was tweeting mm. about the Goal of the Month competition. The goals were fantastic. There was well, a few goals left out. Big crowds behind. But you look at put them in a put them in an MLS stadium, as mm. I say. Like I said, mm. I watch a bit of MLS at night time. And, you know, there's a lot of goals and a lot of good games. But, but, but actually, what's amazing about it is that the quality of play can be mixed. But the stadiums are the all camera fantastic. Angles, camera, camera angles, the presentation, yeah, like that. and I think sometimes you, you hope that the cup final this Sunday is a good game. Just not to, we'll, we'll come on to that later, but because it, it is the game that gets the backdrop, and well, you hope that there's a quality in that. that just on just on Bray, from a from a manager's point of view, one who's going to want to take it. You know, maybe they might pr- promote within. Maybe they might give it to someone from you know the 19s or 70s. And secondly, as a player, there's not there's no way that you can try and persuade me to think that, ah, yeah, it's okay, I'll go out there and sign this year. I just don't think mm. that they're going to be in any way of position to have a strong enough squad of players. They might just go a different route and, and buy their time for whatever they're doing with the ground or wherever it is, but I just don't see. And that's if, if, if the FAI sit down with Bray, I mean ASAP as in should have been done Monday morning, and, and sit down and speak to them and, and talk to them, that, hold on a minute, Galway, there might be something here because... Of this now, listen, maybe not. And for, as Dan has alluded to, if they tick all the boxes in their license, they've every right. They finished on the points, they paid all the wages, so they've every right to be in the Premier Division. But going forward next year, 
We still don't know if there's two teams down. We don't know if there's two teams up. And I see Stephen Henderson spoke about it last week. I don't know. I don't know what way that's going to fall. Like, and and that has to come out quickly because that has to implicate implement on the budgets as well. Like, there has it's to be, laughable. You know, it has to be done because if we hadn't known this time last year, the last day of the season, the time the ball, the last ball is kicked, that bump, it lads, it's three teams down next year. I guarantee there would have been a bigger scramble for budgets and stuff like that because mm. nobody wanted to be in that position come January. Oh, by the way, lads, it's three teams down when the budgets are already given out and there's no more finance to come in. Well, what do you make of Stephen Henderson's point? His point of people maybe aren't again out to where it should be. I think is a two up and, and a playoff. Now my, my personal view is I like I like what the relegation stress brought to things this year from the outside, probably held to be inside. Mm. But I think there has to come a point where if we are going the ten team route, there has to be standards. So you know, if the, if you're going to offer that promotion service, I think the promoted clubs need to be potentially promoted clubs need to know that they have to really properly comply with, 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 with minimum criteria. Yeah. Now, the problem you have is when the teams in the top division already don't comply yeah. with those criteria. Yeah. I think in terms of just in terms of the playing um, side of it. I think um, second should play third in a playoff and then the winner should play second last, which was more or less the case because, uh, as being pointed out, if you have three teams coming up from a 10-team into a 10-team, 30%, it's a hell of a loss. Um, mm. I think he might have been even talking about three in a playoff. Um, whatever he was talking about, three I think teams. think it was two down, two and a, eight in a so playoff. So I think that's fine, but we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. And mm-hmm. I just, I just, where is the direction from here? You know, but I, it's begun already for next season for, in your head. Mm. It started probably on the bus home. Mm. But we don't know. So, like, as yeah. a Galway United, uh, we don't know. I think it's frustrating. And, and going back to the point on Dan, I don't think we can do it overnight. There's no point in saying, right, two up, two down. If your stadium meets the criteria there, I think we have to give that, like, listen. In, in yeah. three or four or five years, wherever it's going to be, this is the criteria that everyone needs to meet to play in the Premier Division. And let's set, let's set the bar really high. And if that means that, you know, we have to, you know, sacrifice other side of, the, of, of things, like in the playing side or wherever it is, we've got to make it better. I think in the long run that would help. And just on, on the pitch stuff, I think Stephen Henderson's point is just out of pure frustration consistently because... Lack of hope. Almost. There wasn't a chance of them getting up yeah. this year. And to run Waterford as close as he did was a phenomenal achievement because the players and the quality of players and the budget that Waterford would have to consider compared to the Cove. Like, I heard a story that Stephen went into uh, one of the B licences or A licences down in, in Photo Island and told him the budget. And I won't say on air, but if it's the truth... The job he's done, it's like you're not even talking a shoestring here. Like it's smaller, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Borderline amateur. Yeah, well, supposedly he spoke, and then one of the former players who was on the license said, "Is that per player?" And he said, "No, that's a week for everything." They just couldn't get their head. How is yeah. a football club doing this? Does clubs fifteen divisions lower in England that have a bigger budget than you? Like you know, yeah. so for what Stephen done, I think there has to be for those clubs, there has to be something to play for. It cannot stay as a dead rubber league. And we've we've had all, we've gone full circle with 16 teams, 20 teams, all the type of stuff. And we can do that till the cows come home. But if you're going to stay with this format, there has to be something for those clubs to aim for. For the likes of Galway to come back down, and you look at it, that if Galway have come back down, that if there is only one up and one in the playoff, if Galway don't win it, potentially they're going to play, you know, one of the teams that finished in and around the bottom, say next year as well, in a one-off game. And if they stay down for another year, all of a sudden... Those guys who hung around this year to give him money might just think, oh, "I'm not doing this again." I think yeah. the first, I think the first division does need a bit more promotion in some shape or form. I don't know; they need to get like more goals on TV, just because nobody even knows about it. And and I will slightly criticize this show. We haven't given it an awful lot of coverage, but it is hard because you're you're basing your knowledge on 
very very little yeah. um, but I that, think there should I, be streaming game. I know Limerick yeah. did it a bit when they were should let them stream them yeah I think Limerick I mean I remember watching a couple of Limerick games I think on Facebook and stuff yeah, when they yeah. were in the, the, the year where they were sort of you know whipping everyone on a how, weekly how basis how do you reflect on the league right now at the end of this season we're coming to a cup final where there may be 30,000 at it that's what they're hoping it's well, going to be we'll a good see. cup final we'll how do you reflect like and, and I'll ask the same to you Jared, positive or negative after the season we've had uh, like I mean I'm sort of tentatively positive about the changes some of the changes that are being made this winter and and hoping that this move towards a, a type of a different type of full time that it's it's been done with the eyes open and everyone with the, their eyes ahead in the road and and we're not going to have a winter where just again the sort of competition between clubs starts to drive up wages again to the point where it's unsustainable i think people have been i hope that there's a generation now of people who are coming to the stage maybe have been coaches and, and, and managers that have been through this before have been through like the, 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 the bust before and just know what they're know what they're doing I mean it, it was an unusual year pretty probably a year like no other in terms of the fact that uh, every game every week seemed to mean something to someone involved and uh, while it was again unbelievably stressful for the people that were involved in it I think we sort of have to take that going forward because sometimes you do get to September, October for clubs and they've nothing left to play for. And you're thinking long winter, their next game of significance, like their next big home game that they can push in their locality could be next March, you know, and they're just kind of going through the motions. And um, I, I've, all, I've always got grappled with, I love the old system of, of merit where the league is the league and I think the best team should win the league and the second best should be second. But, some of these ideas people have about playoffs for Europa League and you know split and you know something that would make the end of the season more exciting for everyone I, I am beginning to wonder is there some kind of merit in that as much as there's a traditional sense that I'd be a, maybe it would have been opposed to it I think the fact that in the last couple of weeks every game there's something going on in some ways um, I wonder is there something that needs to be looked at there I, but I'm not sure what the solution is you see other countries where they have a big playoff for the Europa League place which actually is worth so much money now to clubs that that would actually be be big because um, we've got the same four clubs in Europe again next year from last year I mean Pats are the one team that sort of dropped out of the European cycle and Derry have almost come in for them um, but those clubs are just going to pull further away and further away I don't see any way that a club can get close to them so my slight fear is that well it's it, it's we're building this and Cork rivalry up and it's three years in a row in the cup final four years in a row top two in the league it's never happened and maybe Rovers going to get up there with them because they seem to have the means to do it but you do wonder those clubs that are Bowes and um, maybe Pats and, and Sligo and like see Bowes have had a great year right fantastic year one of the real stories of the season but like what's attainable for them now like that year mightn't be as much, mightn't be as laudable next year. It could be a bit more. Uh, there could be fifth or sixth next year, which could be great. But uh, for the fans, what keeps them coming back for that for that mid table existence? And I do fear, I don't see how we're going to bridge that gap to those top clubs without the type of investment which brings risks. You know, so that's that's just my on, take. Just on that, both had great crowds this season, um, because I think people really bought into the community spirit there. They have the Bohemian Foundation. Their players are not on great money, and I think the, the fans love the fact that they really were playing for the shirts. I mean, you had Bray, who were much better than Bose for most of the season, getting about a, four, a quarter of their crowds, because they were a horrible club in the face of so many fans. So I think the community ethos is very important, but... 
Just to, to bring this to you, Jar, they spoke on Soccer Republic about like the crowds are up this season, which to me means absolutely nothing because Cork were top of the table and also we had a 10-team league coming up, so there were so many important games. But they were like, the crowds are up, we, we, we think or we understand. We don't even know the crowds. We don't even have official crowd figures. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, this, just, just, this seems just boggles the mind for me. Like, how, how, yeah. how can we even rate the progress of the league if we don't have official crowd figures? Yeah, it's difficult, and... I would agree with Dan. I would tentatively agree that even though we were we were bang in the middle of it for the, a lot of the season, that it has been a little bit positive. Like I look at take Pat's hat off and you, and you look around and you think, you know, the results in Europe. I know you would have mentioned it last week that you were disappointed with with Dundalk and Rosenborg and stuff like that, but they were hiding years ago. Like, they were five and six nils years ago. Like, Dundalk missed an opportunity. Them players will feel, and I think Stephen will feel, they missed an opportunity. But, bar the Derry result, which was a little bit kind of, they're a good side, that team, and I think Derry, a little bit naive going into it as well, had to move venue. Don't think all that helped. They got a bit of a thumping, but they'll be better for that next year. You look at the introduction of the 15s league, the 17s league, the 19s league, all of a sudden, we don't have teams anymore. We're starting to develop clubs. So that's important. So when we're getting clubs now, we need to make it feel like we have a proper football environment in this country. We need to make it feel that those kids come through the door at 9 or 10 or 11, that they have a pathway through. So we're slowly getting there. There's other stuff like the viewing figures, like more TV stuff, better highlights, packages, you know, all that type of stuff, more stuff from the, on the front and the back of the papers, that's all just a given in countries. Like, we've gone, we've gone on European trips to Latvia and Bulgaria, and you're met by TV crews in the airport. You're getting onto team buses that they've supplied for you. They have TVs on them, and you're looking and going, this is Latvia. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They have their own bus. And then you get in, and their, their stadium is decent. You know, the facilities are good. Their train facilities are good. And you're sort of thinking then and going... We've drawn a team from Latvia. People at home are expecting us to hammer these because it's Latvia. This is like chalk and cheese. You know what I mean? These are miles ahead of us and stuff like that. These have kids in from six years of age and it's gone to Riga and they're playing in an indoor dome and they're bringing them up and they're playing first team, stuff like that. And then ultimately, you know, you come to us and we had teams. That's all we had. Then we had a 19s team. Now we have a 17s team. Now we have a 15s team. Now the 13s league is coming in two years' time. So the underage is, is massive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I know that's been a, a touchy subject, but I think for the league, and I'm solely talking about the league, it's going to be a good thing. For the schoolboy clubs, it's very difficult, but for mm. the league, it's going to be a good thing going forward. It does add more financial thing. It's not cheap to run what it is. If you're going to do it properly, you've got to feed the kids, you've got to kit out the kids. They don't pay subs, you've got to insure the kids, you've got to get buses to away trips. You know, this doesn't come cheap, but ultimately, owners and backers of the league and fans need to understand that this is now becoming a club. So if we can update the grounds and stuff like that all slowly, it has to be done. The education route has come in a big a big thing as well. Like we've been, like UCD obviously have set the benchmark because they are a college, but we obviously have gone in quite, you know, five or six years ago, Minute. We've brought through the likes of Conor O'Malley, Sean Hoare, Jamie McGrath. All these boys have come through. Jake Carroll went through, went to the UK. Darren Markey, they're all at the coming through with degrees in their back pockets. So it just goes to show that we can offer, you know, numerous different things for them. But ultimately, there is stuff that's going to let us down. It's going to continue to let us down um, in the league. And until until they're, they're fixed, unfortunately, stuff like that and, you know, and getting frustrated at things like that is just going to become the norm. What What about that challenge for the, p- the clubs that are potentially mid-table? I mean, that's not that's not your ambition. That's not the past no. ambition. But you won a league in 2013. 
Cup in 2014, yet this Dundalk era has just sort of taken over mm. since then. Look, what about the challenge? How, how do clubs get to get to where they're at at the moment without spending? It's a tough one, isn't it? Like, I think you need to. I think your recruitment is massive. You know, yeah. I, I think Stephen, Stephen um, would have looked in 2012. Uh, or 2013 it might have been I think it was 2013 yeah he came on a new team he, he, would, yeah. he would have looked at that and went well Sligo have won it and just being pipped by, by Pats Pats have just won it you know you have a good rower side he probably looked at that and said how the hell am I going to break into how am I going to get this team of this group of players in but it's really the kind of environment that you get like Derry have been close for the last couple of seasons I think they've got the nucleus of a really talented group of players a they lot really of, have, a, a lot of young players like you know and for me I think the job that Kenny Shields done this year, I know people are going to laud um, John Caulfield for winning, but I think for me, what Kenny Shields has done this year would put him, for me, the manager of the season. To have to deal with that tragedy is is probably unthinkable of that dressing room for those few months after that. And, you know, they've still got a European spot. They didn't play in their home games in, in, in Derry. They had to travel away to Buncrana, which is like, it's not, two minutes down the road it's a good 25 minutes half an hour outside of Derry and they're European games away and I think they they're the close them and Rovers are the closest and it's no coincidence they finished third and fourth mm. there's not much in them I think it's important for Derry to hold on to those players because they're really good I think some of them might be, be looked on Kenny seems to have a good scout network he obviously was in Scotland he keeps bringing these boys over as well brought Vemelund over as well of course Vemelund came yeah and then obviously went, went to Dundalk and I think he, he does have an eye for player the way they play and stuff like that, they'll only get better. They obviously tragically lost um, Ryan early on the season and a big hole was left on and off the pitch. But on the pitch from a centre-half point of view, he was massive. And They'd I won think, all the I games. I think they were top. They'd won all their games. And, and defensively like, you know? then, they not to mind um, you know, spiritually and mentally, but defensively they fell apart. They did. Like, you know? we, we played them earlier on in the season and they had... I think Dean Jarvis might play at centre half. He's a left full tradition. Excellent left back. Yeah, yeah, really good left back. McDermott, McDermott, even at times was playing yeah, in, in the middle of a three, or you know, it was it was sort of it was a patchwork. Re- really stuff. difficult. Like, and again, he he's he's probably looking. How can I get to the next level? And then one of his better performers was has probably been arguably player of the season. And Conor McCormick has left. He got pinched from from Derry to go to Cork. Played every week in Derry. Went to Cork probably for more money. Probably for the the opportunity of playing in Europe and stuff like that. And you know, that's it's probably going to happen again, like you know, to Derry. So it's really important that those clubs that are close hold on to the players, mm. and you're just hoping that you can pinch the ones from the likes of Galway. And this, the other thing which people don't mention much is like the sterling is so weak at the moment for mm. for for you to actually get a a contract from Derry isn't the incentive. It, whereas four hundred used to be six hundred, four hundred is now four hundred and fifty or whatever. So that that's another negative. They lost Holden, Schubert is gone, Nicky Lowe is gone. Mm. Um, it's going to be McNamee, obviously linked with Limerick or whatever. It's going there's to be an interesting. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff to happen. But I uh, guess we better. Uh, get we, need the cup about, we need to talk about the cup we have finals, two Johnny. Cup, we have two tickets to give away, Dan. Um, how, why, how are we giving them away? Well, how are we giving them away? I think basically you reply on the tweet machine uh, and just tell us why you deserve the two free tickets. Oh God! Um, it's, like, it's like Father Ted, where why do you deserve a parachute? <laughs> <laughs> I think I should get both tickets because I'm great. Um, as I said, they're ten nicker each. So to be fair, I'm not sure. Actually, I should know this. I'm not sure what quality our tickets are. Do we know? Uh, no. In any event, if you don't good, win the two tickets, a good ten, quality, ten good euro, quality. great day out. Um, you know, you're watching in a world class stadium. You're watching two 
teams that um, know each other very well and the two best teams in the league by a long four way. Four teams, got the women's final as well. And, and we have the women's final as well beforehand. So it's a very good day out. Um, so what happens in the game then? Okay, so if you... If you the, the narrative here, Jarrah, is that Cork have dominated the head-to-heads this season. And it, I don't know what incentive Dundalk needs to give them as to... to uh, to paraphrase Stephen Bradley, a bit of a battering here because they've so much motivation. Um, but McElhenney, to me, this is the game for him to really show. He got his prepping goal where he came off after an hour or whatever it was, got an outrageous goal. He's been shackled by McCormick. McCormick will be some people's idea for player of the year. Dan, I think you had him as your... Did you have him as your second best player this year? Yeah, oh, yeah. Maguire in oh, the yeah, just in terms of but stars. There the you year. are. McElhenney was fourth. Yeah. So there you are. Now, I've no doubt who's more talented player here. But this is huge for McElhenney, Ger. Yeah, it's a big game. And, you know, in these type of games, you want your big players to come to the fore. Like, you know, in the last few years, um, everyone would have been looking at Sean Maguire last year. Now, I know we got the winner. He had probably a relatively quiet afternoon. Uh, last season, I think Martin O'Neill might have alluded to that this season. O'Neill, and, well. and I mean, it, it effectively cost him a move to Preston at yeah. the time. That was the, the key night of, of Cork winning the league, I believe, was the fact that Maguire didn't do as well in the cup mm. final. And they, got, they kept him for another six months. Yeah, you know? so, wow. um, listen, I, I really hope it's a good game. I think Dundalk, the last few weeks, have been scoring a lot of goals. Um, since probably the turn of the season, it's turn of the break. Cork just traditionally don't concede many in John Caulfield's team. I know we scored four against them, but under different circumstances. But are you you're not the confidence going to be? If this isn't a good game, this will be entirely down to Cork, and I, no. I mean that in the nicest possible way. But it's because they'll stifle Dundalk. Yeah, but I think I think it's a little bit disrespectful then to say, well, one team. You know, there's different ways of, of winning a game. I think what John Caulfield will be, be looking at this week, and I'd say what boat managers would be looking at and staff would be looking at the way the games have panned out over the last probably four or five games against each other. I'd say they've watched tapes over and over. They've watched for the little traits that keep happening. They're probably watching set pieces over the last few weeks and stuff like that. They're looking at former players. I think if I was John Caulfield, I think the fact that they have the better head-to-head against them. I didn't see the game, the 1-1, one, one, uh, recently. But by all accounts, I'd heard Stephen saying it last week that they probably just about deserve the draw. Dundalk I know they scored quite late just about just, just about. about but I mean if, if Cork had held I mean, Cork they conceded the chance you know but it, it, there was only one or two chances you know yeah, if, if Cork had won 1-0 I don't think Dundalk could have complained and about it you know it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how um, I think it was important for, for both teams to win the weekend yeah, obviously Dundalk were beaten by Bowles and then Cork uh, needed to probably bounce back against Spray my only fear for Dundalk is a few of the boys have been out injured for a while. I think they're, without being disrespectful to the car, I think they're a more talented team. I think um, attacking-wise, they, they have better players. But defensively, and Cork's mentality is really good. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be tight again. I think it's going to be tight. And the little bit of needle this week is only going to help. But I think that's what you want. I think, please God, it was absolutely freezing last year. It was actually very cold. So yeah. cold. I remember yeah. my I remember knees were... Dundalk, off Dundalk came late, I think, didn't he, from Zenit? Was the, I, the, last year was a unique <laughs> preparation. It was yeah. crazy, and I think they had um, unsettled preparation. I remember I remember actually Ronan Finn last oh, year yeah. being incredible. I think a tweet at the time, he was frighteningly Best good last year. Best game he's ever played for but I just don't know how he got off that plane and then ran that much again. Like, And he's a fit boy, I played with him, but boy God, he was unbelievable. I just think they were just a little bit down girls last year. It, it, listen, if the big players turn up, 
for both teams, I can see Dundalk winning it. How, how different is the cup final from a regular game? Even just in terms of, I mean, it's quite a big pitch, the Aviva, but is mm. it is it a dramatically bigger pitch than what you'd play on normally? Because, I mean, I, I think the view from above yeah. can sometimes uh, exaggerate that, yeah. you know? It always feels that way, I think. And I remember... Um, I remember actually playing in the Aviva the first time I came on against Manchester United and I remember looking and going, God, this is massive, like, you know, this is just too big. But I think the more you play in it, I think the more used to you get. Those, both, both those sets of players will be used to now at this stage. I don't think that's going to be a thing. I think it's just the whole build-up, the nervous energy and stuff like that more affects you. How many times do we see players get cramped in finals? Like mm. all the time, they just mm. Champions League finals and these are the fittest players in the world. And I think it's just that nervous energy that builds up and stuff like that. If the game is tight, I think it'll be the same. You'll see that. But if someone can, can pull ahead, it's it's for me. I didn't enjoy the build up to the finals. I think it's that nervousness again, the fear of not losing, especially with Pats. We lost in 2012 in the cup, and then you had 2014. It was a burden. Yeah, it was. It was that burden. So I didn't overly enjoy it until you win it. But you know, I think it'll be no different for those players to be excited to get out. It's interesting. The reason I'm bringing up the size of the pitch is such a like the. I think Stephen Kenny's been talking a lot about width in recent weeks, sort of after games and so mm. on. And that game in Turner's Cross, it just ended up being really congested, and they, they had no room to breathe. Although the equalizers came from Connolly actually getting a run at, mm. at Griffin, and I, I just wonder what sort of side he's going to go with because Mountney may be back. Um, Duffy's been a big player the last couple of weeks. Will it be like Duffy and Connolly and try and really make width a factor in the game? Because yeah. we'll see who Cork have in the full-back position. Because Griffin is good. I'm not sure if he's necessarily the quickest player in the world, but or, or is it just that Connolly is so quick that he makes everyone look slow next to him? Yeah. Um, but I think he, in that league game, it seemed to be a target in the first 10 minutes. Get the ball to Connolly at every opportunity and go at him. I just wonder, is this going to be a part of the, the plan again, that, that use of wit? You know? I actually noticed that in the last few weeks that you speak about wit. He spoke about after bowls that he no wit in his team, no wit in his team. And he obviously went with Jamie McGrath, who's not an out-and-out wide player. He's not going to kind of run you down the outside. He'll more come inside, link the play and find little spaces. Mm. I think he might go with Connolly and, and Duffy, being honest with you. Um, it'll be interesting. Obviously, Shields will probably just miss out because of injury. It would have been interesting to see because... Chris does a really good job, especially on getting uh, those big games against you know top quality opposition. So it'll probably be Benson, McElhenney and Stevie O'Donnell yeah. in the middle. So, um, and then obviously McMillan up front. It's, it's a really powerful front five. Like if you look at it, with those two wingers, the two in behind and McMillan. It's, it's I, I I don't think he'll start Connolly now. I have to say, um, I think he'll use him as an option to come off the mm. bench with the pace. So who has. starts then? Is it is it McGrath and a bit more? Uh, narrow I mean he, he, Stephen did say yesterday he felt Mountain he would have a role to play mm. but he hasn't played um, and it does you seem you to like him the feeling that the Galway team was sort of the cup final team or very close I just don't know yeah I just uh, possibly so I just thought Connolly in the court game just seemed to be a big part of their, mm. their plan I think and he's been desperately disappointed for the dock and I'm not blaming him exclusively because I don't think they've really figured out how to utilise him I just well, think though yeah, we, we, well. we, we had this conversation actually funny enough uh, a while ago I went to watch him again not him I went to watch Dundalk and Limerick and um, if, you, if you think about it, for his type of game, he relies on his pace and spacing behind. That's how he came prolific for Bray. You know, balls over the top or that switch of play over the fullback's head. Dundalk would have the ball a hell of a lot more times. Teams are deeper. So then you're trying to mould the player into smaller 1v1 positions where he was probably pushing the ball 10 yards by a fullback to cross the ball and still have space. Where now he's probably not got that 10 yards of space. So... That would be up to Stephen and Vinny to try and try and work with him into into smaller areas. But 
my God, he's the one player, him and, and the boy from Ogbeni from, from uh, Limerick. You're even saying the boy as well now. Right? <laughs> yeah. well, it was no surprise that the boy, Ogbeni, was brought into the cup final last year, yeah. possibly for that, like, that had service. A, had a really good game. Yeah. They're so quick and mm. I don't care what you say, you just, so many players can have a career from pace alone, but Dylan, Dylan in fairness, I played against him, he's, he's, he's a good player, he makes good runs. It's just he's coming to a new structure, a new style, playing with new players as well. You'll see. You'll see. I don't think he needs to play player. on the wing either. Like if you if you had him up top, um, not necessarily an out and out striker. But if you had him with McElhenney and he can just make runs, McElhenney's going to pick him out. Mm. Um, because you feel you have a feeling on the wing. He's playing on the wing. The left back just stands off. Basically, he's not going to give him. He's not going to give him uh, um, the space in behind. Stand off. And Conley gets a little bit frustrated, but mm. it'll be very interesting to he's see. Still, how that goes. He's still. He's still in that in that game. The goal came from him okay, trying and trying and mm. eventually he got he he got mm. the run and he and he he made them i think he's got a big part to play on sunday I, I think he'll be part of the plan to some degree and i've spoken to people who've watched on dark a lot recently who are not saying he's been brilliant they're not saying that at all but i think they would take the view that your view has been a bit harsh that there's been signs that he's tuning into things just a bit you know and, my, he's, my, and it's going to be one for one particularly for next year i, I think su- but yeah I, I suppose my worry for cork is i think the shepherd thing is 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 the negative um i, I think it'll be difficult for him psychologically and uh they're also going into the game in fairly patchy form like for the last sort of 16 games i know they've gotten over the line now sadlier is playing better will definitely. he play will, will sadlier would will sadlier play i don't think so no and i don't think so just purely on the basis of um Going forward, he's probably only behind McElhenney in the league of ability. Mm. I think going the opposite way, I think he could let opposition, you know, and if Dundalk have a lot of the ball, I think I'd say John Coffey will be a little bit wary about that. He might be that player if the game is tight with 20 minutes to go. He could produce that magic. He's one that I've seen as close to, to Paddy McElhenney that can produce that little bit of magic. He's a lovely little chop of the ball, two great feet, great strike of a ball. Where but, should he be playing natural position? someone like him I'd play centrally but again it comes down to the type of manager that you are the type of game that it is if if you can trust them to get the ball back and stuff like that like if you'd look at you know Conor McCormick probably play um, yeah but you think McCormick Buckley and Morrissey and you, think, you think Greg Bulger would probably miss out yeah like McCormick's it's gas that we're sitting here like a player like Greg Bulger we're talking about not playing won't it, play again for Cork I think it, Probably not, but it looks for. But for me, you know, Greg has been the best sit midfielder for a long time in the league, and it just Better shows. Stephen O'Donnell. Stevie was kind of more pushed on a okay. little bit more, like you know. But Steve, Stevie's been incredible. You know, that's be another conversation. He's been such a, a leader for them over the last few seasons. But I think, yeah, McCormick, Buckley, and Ting are all kind of you know they'll do both sides of the game. They'll get on mm. the ball and play but they'll work so hard to get it back. And I think John won't, like, will he go with Dooley? Dooley works up and down. And will he go with um, Beatty or Cohan? Cohan I, I think he might go Cohan and Beatty full back. Um, right. That would be my and guess. Shepard through the middle, obviously. Shepard through the middle. Yeah. I don't think he has many other options. He hasn't gone with Campion quite enough. He um, could come off the bench again. as a, How do you call it? I think Dundalk are going to just shade it, being honest with you. I think... Their form since the second half of the season has been really good. We played obviously both teams, and you know Sean McGuire was such an important player for them. You know what I mean, such an important player, and it's going to be a big. Um, what 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 Cork have done is phenomenal. Them first 20, 20 odd games was incredible. John has built that team up. I don't think he's got enough credit for what they've done. Yes, they kind of 
just about got over the line at the end from considering where they were. But for what he'd done, it's over a whole season. If we had went the opposite, where he started slow and won 20 out of 21 games towards the end of the season, people would be lauding. But they've lost an international striker. He had what he had to work with and he's got it over the line. And I think... Um, I just, I just think Dundalk might be a little bit too strong for him this weekend. Dan? Yeah, that's probably my gut feeling. I am conscious of just that the, the Cork, as the league winners and the double chasers, are still managing to come in this, into this game with this sense that they've been written off and that they are the, you know, they are the underdogs in some strange way, uh, which is so unusual because as much as the tide has turned in terms of the league, you just feel that maybe hasn't in terms of the perception of the team since Maguire is gone. And like it is still in my head that when it came down to it in the league game, you watched the game going, yes, the right team won the league this season because they were way more tuned in. They started like Duffy and McElhenney didn't really impact that game at all. And and I think the Dock have a job to do to figure out how to make their better players a bit more influential. Um, but I, I think Stephen Kenny's maybe capable of, of doing that. So um, I, I go Dock, but may, we could well beat Dock after extra time. Again, I, I, like I think that. that's a very key point to make there that Dundalk need to work out how to get their better players more prevalent in games like this. And that that's a point somebody made to me about McElhinney. Okay, if McElhinney is stifled, that's fine. But the other players need to step up to the plate then because if they do, McElhinney will eventually find space to do mm. something. And Dundalk didn't do that against Cork this season. So I think they're a better team than Cork. I, I think Cork have gone off the boil more or less since Maguire left so they need one big more p- big performance I think Dundalk are really going to be at it I think a Roy Keane-esque tackle on Overmars early on from either side wouldn't be unusual <laughs> I just hope there's a great crowd at it I can't wait for the game now um, so you're going for Dundalk so we're going three for Dundalk mm. oh, I can just see the at- the boy, own, the boy own is on sound here can you can you give us a are you going for Dundalk or Cork? Extra time, so that's a kind of a extra time and no winner. I just think yeah. we're going to have a few few cork views if uh, things go. I definitely think the way. I definitely think the shepherd thing is not a help. Um, uh, the to, fact be fair, is, I, to be fair, I think I think the cork people will look around and say it's probably a fair reflection on how this, the last ten twelve games have gone that we're able to sit here and pick it. I don't think by any means that. It, well, Cork would be. Oh, still bo- going to be angry anyway. Though. Cork would be yeah, in the bottom. Cork would Cork. be, I think, would be in the bottom three <laughs> on their form since the wire left. The yeah. bottom three, if not bottom four, but they'd be down there. I know, but that's, uh, you got to you got to with look, the caveat that they the league almost won. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got to look at you got to look at, at the group of players that they have, and as Dan has said already, they'll be talking about a double. You know, because Dundalk done a couple of years ago, and they've been in again. They'll be talking about a double. I think it's important to not get away from the fact that I think. Both sets of managers are going to be trying to figure out how to get one over, get one over on each other this weekend. That little bit of needle is great. I think it's going to be it's going to be vital, you know, in the in the build up to it. For me, I just think those five attacking players might have enough to get Dundalk over the line. But then again, you look at the likes of Alan Bennett and Delaney, who've been incredible this year, with Conor McCormick sitting in front of them. I'm just my sound I wouldn't surprise me if they're able to stifle them again. Like, mm. You know, I, I oh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think it's def- hopefully like it's going to be interesting and absorbing. I hope it's entertaining to the yeah. people who tune into it because I think we're naturally interested in it because of the we follow it week to week. When you think of this from the you know the the from the approach of being the showpiece game that maybe some people tune into or go to, you just hope that. It delivers for them. And ju- ju- you, you mentioned the two centre-backs there, Delaney and Bennett, both of uh, whom, Dan, were in your top players of the league as well. 
they are vulnerable to pace. So, I mean, again, this is another option for Connolly. If they can get Connolly anywhere near them to expose them. Um, we should mention Nicholas Vimlund. It's going to be his last game for Dundalk. Um, in an interview with James Rogers, who was a big fan of the show this week, he described Dundalk as boring. Um, hopefully the final isn't boring. I'd say it is fairly boring, Dundalk, to be honest, Dan, is it? If you were living there, no, you're not from the town. As far as I know, Vemland was living on his own, mm. uh, and some of the other lads were, were living together. So I think Dundalk always had a sense that uh, there was a danger he was going to go on the basis of homesickness. For He's some in reason, love as well. For some reason, he didn't want to. That was, that was his first mistake. He didn't want to live with... Uh, Camilla, he, he decided not to live with... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know her Camilla. name. She she featured often in the piece, but she seems to you know I think they're engaged. How now. do you know her name? It was in the piece. Oh, was it? Yeah, the Argos. Yeah, oh, right. okay. Um, the, the Argos. No, it's, mm. the, it's the Argus. It's not actually Argus. Uh, the Argus. It's not actually Argus a shop. You, go, you don't go there to get an ironing board, you know. But um, you go there to get an exclusive on Vimland. As yeah. It turns out. Um, no, I think he wasn't living with the other lads, and it was always a sense that he was on his own. And he's had a great season. It must be mentioned. Just his that. Second leg against Rosenberg. Mm. Best defence performance I think I've seen all season. It's going to be a, it's a challenge to replace him because I think, you know, there was no... When he went in there, their form seemed to upturn, I think, around that, that point. But we shall see. They, Fascinating we'll, By stuff. this time next week, we'll be back for some kind of review of the final and, and the season. I think by then, even the transfer window sort of business would have mm. accelerated a million times so we'll probably have a few stories to discuss next week might even know the structure of the league next season Ooh, and uh, if if any Cork fans see us on uh, Sunday um, take it with a pinch of salt you know we do we do love Cork City and all that um, next week we get to our end of season report with some special guests and when we say some special guests that clearly means we actually don't know who's going to be on next week get your questions in on Anthony you would like to answer Ger thanks a million for coming on no yeah your second podcast appearance in two weeks now you're on Between the Stripes as well yeah yeah and um, thanks very much we for don't listening. discuss other podcasts in the show <laughs> no oh, sorry we don't he wasn't on Between the Stripes um, but anyway that was the end of 37 we might have one or two more before the end of the season and get yourself to the cup final if you don't win the two tickets and uh, best of luck to both teams.